Welcome to Marvelous Disney, the podcast that discusses the most recent doings at one of the more dynamic divisions of the Walt Disney Company, which is, of course, Marvel Entertainment. This is entertainment writer Jim Hill and my co-host, the amazing Aaron Adams, and I are recording this week's episode on Wednesday, June 22nd, 2022. So, Aaron, you and I have both just watched episode three of Ms. Marvel. And you did double duty because today Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Badness shows up on Disney Plus, right? Yeah, it's been an embarrassment of riches. That along with the Obi Wan for the Star Wars fiend, it's it's just all there, all in one day. Plop, enjoy your feast, pigs. Wow. Okay. But you and your lovely bride were sitting down watching all of the stuff, and you mentioned at least when it comes to Doctor Strange, there's two things you wanted to mention, right? Yeah, first off, one thing that was so important to me was to figure out where is Sam Raimi's car at in this movie? That's mm-hmm. that's an Easter egg hunt that happens for every Raimi film. If if you're mm-hmm. not aware of it, it exists. Uh was it an old Oldsmobile Cutlass? Like I an 80 say something. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. uh it's like a cream color, ugly as sin. It's the featured mm-hmm. car that uh, Uncle Ben uses there with uh Peter Parker to have the talk in the uh, old 2002 Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. And uh, so today I found it at uh, one hour, 26 minutes and 52 seconds. The, it's where the uh, multiverse, uh, well, they're in the, one of the worlds where they, they're having one of those rifts, the collisions or whatever, and everything is being torn asunder and we're about to be introduced to the Dark Doctor Strange. But before we get there, they're walking down a street where reality is kind of collapsing and being torn apart. And they're right in the center of the shot floating in the middle of everything. I don't know how I missed it in the theater. It'd be as big as a billboard, but Mm -hmm. there was Sam's Oldsmobile floating hood down, facing towards the concrete. And, uh, and I was like, Oh, I got to jot this down. It's important. I found my Easter egg finally. So there's that. And then throughout really the rest of the movie, we, my wife and I were kind of looking at different scenes and going, Oh, that's an homage to this Raimi movie or, or, Oh, there's a shot from going, uh, drag me to hell. At the end, right? Oh, yeah, I remember that. And we just, like, the whole movie is, like, the greatest hits of Sam Raimi mixed into a, an awesome Marvel movie. Mm-hmm. And uh, all those Easter eggs became much more apparent when you're not concerned about silly things like plot and development. Very cool. Well, all right, for those of you playing along at home, uh, Doctor Strange and Multiverse of Badness, if you go with the year-to-date box office, it is number two at the box office right now. If we're talking about top-grossing films in North America. And, of course, Top Gun Maverick has the number one spot, though I would imagine, given what's going on with Jurassic World Dominion, uh, Doctor Strange may be sliding a little further down. Normally, this would be cause for celebration. I mean, again, this is Sam Raimi's highest-grossing film to date. Check the numbers just this morning. It's at $943 million in worldwide ticket sales. Which means, in theory, it's possible for Multiverse to eventually reach a billion dollars worldwide. Mind you, that has to be if international ticket sales continue to chug along. Just $57 million short of its goal. But this is where it gets weird in the new media sphere. Because Multiverse of Madness started being available for folks to view on Disney Plus after just 46 days. Remember, the old window used to be 90 days. That's it, as far as North America is concerned. Yeah, I mean, there will be some ticket sales, but not a whole lot. It's one of those never-say-never situations, because did did you see what's planned for Spider-Man No Way Home around Labor Day? Yeah, it's it's another blatant cash grab, and one that I'll probably end up throwing a little bit of my money at, because I want to see the extended cut that they're planning on putting out. Mm -hmm. Well, but again, what strikes me as weird is that on August 9th, you can buy the physical film. In fact, it's called the Spider-Man No Way Home, the more fun stuff version. Whereas the theatrical release of this movie doesn't happen till the Labor Day weekend. And that's September 2nd or 3rd. I guess I don't understand if I can, if I can physically own this already and I can see all the extra features. Why am I going to the theater to see this on on the big screen? Am I too much of a cheap flinty New Englander to be understanding this? Or, or? no, my my uh, family do not collect DVDs. The only DVDs or Blu-rays that they own are ones that I gave to them as gifts. Ah. So that's like a total of you know 
10 Mm -hmm. (laughs) over the last decade Mm -hmm. uh, where they got a a film that they like. They will go to movies Mm -hmm. and they will consume a thing and they'll go, well, that was neat. And then they'll Mm -hmm. never think of it again. And so there are just a a lot of people in this world who don't need to own a physical thing of a thing Mm -hmm. and also enjoy the social nature of going out to a movie because, uh, like I refer back to my family once again, Mm -hmm. it's a social activity for them. They get to go out with their their neighbors and their friends and they, because they're all retired, right? They got nothing but time to kill. Mm-hmm. And so it's just like we want to go to do today. Well, we'll go see a, an early matinee, and we'll go have a, a late lunch, and then we'll mm-hmm. play shuffleboard. <laughs> you know, it's like okay, that's what you do when you're retired. And so, uh, yeah, they, and they, you know, they went from great big house down to itty bitty house and sold all their stuff. Last thing they want to do is start a Blu-ray collection right now. This is probably true. Well, again, folks, as usual, lots of entertainment news this week. And speaking of which, the news portion of this week's Marvelous Disney is brought to you by Storybook Destinations, trusted travel partner of the Jim Hill Media Podcast Network. For a worry-free travel experience, please book online at storybookdestinations.com. I want to throw one in, one note in about Doctor Strange before we move on. It, Certainly. You can watch it, the IMAX version. I forgot to mention earlier. And really? Yeah, when, when you do it, instead of just clicking on play, you have to scroll mm-hmm. down into a sub-menu that has the, it's labeled as versions. Mm-hmm. And once you select versions, you can then select the theatrical aspect ratio or the IMAX aspect ratio. So, um I just want to make sure that when people go watch it, they get they get twenty three percent more film by watching the IMAX now, version. If you just flip I, down the menu real quick before you start watching the show, now I gotta watch it. On uh, dang, all right, I thought I was off the, off the hook. Yeah, no, you get oh. to see more of uh, Doctor Strange's belt because <laughs> that little bit more at the bottom of the screen. Yeah, it's worth it. Oh, that belt is so worth it, baby. <laughs> oh, there we go. Okay, I mean, again, it's been an interesting week. For controversies associated with Marvel, and well, we're going to get to talking about Ms. Marvel on the second half of today's show, but do you, do you want to bring up what supposedly is an issue, and do we need to put a spoiler in front of this, or what are we going to do? All right, here we go. Spoiler alert, maybe. Claxon. Claxon. There we go. Oh, man. Oh, that was too loud. Sorry. Yep. I'm sitting right next to it, too. Damn. I got to move that. <laughs> anyway, um... I was uh, scrolling online doing my usual Twitter daily roundup, as I'm known to do, and uh, saw a lot of people of the uh, Islamic culture were very upset that Kamala is supposedly a jinn. We don't know if this is a fact or it could be a red herring for right now. Mm -hmm. And, you know, obviously in the episode, Kamala herself says, you know, there's like ghost stories and there's jinn stories and jinn are so much worse than ghost stories. And you get the idea that they're bad, so okay, I, I guess I get that. But we knew that that Marvel was going to be changing her powers some way, somehow. Mm-hmm. And it was a matter of how you're going to do that. And so the question is, well, you know, if, if people, if Islamic people are actually writing this, then it should be in safe hands, right? It was like the same thing when you had uh, African-American folks working on Black Panther. It was like, well, at least it's their culture. They're going to be sensitive to themselves. They're, you know, we're not going to do something accidentally wrong because it's not our culture that we're dealing with. And so the idea is by hiring and employing people of that specific culture, you'll avoid missteps, cultural missteps that would off an entire community and apparently they pissed off an entire community and i want to know how why what happened there what's the thinking is is it is it a ploy to get people riled up and then pull the carpet out from underneath them and go oh no it's not really that it's this instead Mm -hmm. because we're not doing the full review yet i'm not going to mention the 10 rings oops Mm -hmm. we'll get to that later Okay. But okay. there's a, a question that will lead to that about what this is all about. And is Jin, is it, is that really our bad guy or guys, people, bad mm-hmm. people for the, the series? Could be. Looks like it. Okay. Okay. Again, we're three episodes in. We're halfway through a story, which I'm, I'm enjoying immensely, by the way. But again, we'll, we'll get to that in the, the second half of today's show. Speaking, though, of controversies, have you heard about this fan-made film, uh, Spider-Man Lotus, and what's going on with that? Yeah, boy, what a horrible bit of timing to find out that <laughs> you've mm-hmm. got a horrible Twitter history. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
Now, that said, though, uh, let's see, who is the gentleman I want to say, Warren Wayne? Well, Warren has gone out of his way to issue an attempt at a, a heartfelt apology and taking exception. And again, the thing is, there's just some pretty horribly racist and homophobic things that this gentleman said in the past, but the fact that he stepped up, he owned it, he admitted, you know, he gave a little bit about his background. I mean, I, it's still, it's a fan-made film. I don't know what the end game here, I mean, this was going to have only limited availability to begin with, but, you know, I don't know if you saw the thing about how there was also an issue with perhaps the visual effects folks who were working on this project didn't get paid necessarily, so that's not a great thing either. These days, even Marvel can't win for losing, as you just pointed out with the, the production team working on uh, Ms. Marvel. Likewise, did you see this this Miles Morales what-if issue? Yeah, yeah, that was another uproar. And but they also did point out it wasn't created by, by black people, and if it were, we wouldn't be having this discussion uh, uh, because so. they wouldn't have written it that way. Mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and see, that's the thing where... You know, we, we hear things in media as a stereotype. This is actually an odd little society type thing. Mm -hmm. However, if you look at your commercials in mm -hmm. every day right now, it is mm -hmm. an actual reflection of your society. Back in the I Love Lucy days, you would be mm -hmm. hard-pressed to find a commercial with an African-American in it, right? True. Today, we now have two dads showing up with a, a loving child in a commercial. Mm -hmm that would not have happened in the 60s ever. Mm -hmm. So as society progresses, the commercials within that society end up becoming a cultural reflection to that very society as a result. So when you get to things like someone who is not of that culture writing a mm -hmm. stereotype, we write the stereotype because it's the writers in, in America have been predominantly white male for mm -hmm. decades and decades and decades. And so we perpetuate stereotypes forward for decades and decades and decades. And people go, oh, that must be what a black person sounds like. Mm -hmm. And then they, they perpetuate that forward. And it, this is a case of that. They go, it sounds right because I've heard it a thousand times. And it's like, mm -hmm. yeah, but have you ever watched a, a movie that was written and directed by a black person? Like the words are similar, but man, are they different. I mean, like the meaning, the intonation, the like you've you've just got it wrong. It's tone deaf is what ends up happening. And uh, I actually had this happen one time where I got a commercial from the State Department of Health. Mm -hmm. That was the most offensive thing to black people I've ever heard in my life. And I was like, who wrote this? And they found out who. And I was like, you have to, you have to have a, a person of color write this. And, and like, first off, run it by a person of color. Find, watch the expression of horror on their face. Realize you've made a mistake. Apologize profusely and start over. I will not air this on our radio station for fear of being, you know, like mobs down the street of we're racist. And yeah, I had to have a fight with the Department of Health. <laughs> I'm sorry to say, but. And, and it was just written by the wrong person. That's what it came down to. Mm -hmm. and, and, that's, and they had a black person end up writing it in the end, and it was fine. It was sensitive. It was well thought out and better than what we had to start off with. So it happens. It happens a lot. But again, it just it, 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 for me, what's fascinating is if you look at, you know, again, this is Marvel Comics we're talking about. This is Marvel Studios we're talking about. And, and again, a fan-made film but with input from dozens of people. And you, but at the same time, you know, in that, that specific case got tripped up by stuff that they'd written in the past. And that was genuinely offensive. It's rather James Gunn-esque, right? It's something yes, that was yes. written years and I years ago that, that comes back. Because someone went looking for it. Mm -hmm. go, I got to find a way to trip these people up. Let me go back mm -hmm. through all their Twitter history and find something offensive. I'm sure I can find something. Yeah, yeah but. Uh, I don't know. That was a very interesting times. So, speaking about you, you just brought up James Gunn. James earlier this week tweeted out, I wanted to warn folks that the teenage Groot that will be showing up in Thor uh, Love and Thunder has quite the potty mouth on him. And I'm going to, again, half the fun is watching the other, you know, because all we're hearing is I am Groot, but watching Rocket and Drax and Peter Quill react to this is half the fun there. But No, I want to watch it with the subtitles on. 
That is actually one of my complaints when we get to our, our little thing later on about Miss Marvel is I, one of my pet peeves uh, mm-hmm. about many things is uh, you'll hear someone speak in a foreign language and the subtitle mm-hmm. will come up speaking foreign language and that's it. And it's like, come on now. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta try, pal. You yeah. gotta try. You, it should say, you know, in French, you know, mm-hmm. mom is, che- you know, like whatever mom is, is doing to berate her son with, it should just be that written out. So I know how, what mom is saying to her kid be like, how dare you say my pasta sauce is terrible? You know, mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah. Okay. Uh, speaking of which, though, uh, getting back to third love and tender, we are just 16 days out now from when this Taika Watiti film uh, shows up in theaters on July 8th. And we're getting quite a bit of Groot coming up shortly. I mean, think about it. We get our I Am Groot shorts. Those debut on Disney Plus on August 10th of this year. And then uh, we slide forward uh, a bunch of months. to. And the, the problem is right now we don't have good intelligence as to when exactly the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special will drop, but but again, it's a holiday special, so you know you can bet good money it's going to be sometime between Thanksgiving, which by the way that's November twenty fourth this year, uh, and Christmas, and then of course just five or six months after that we get the theatrical release of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three. By the way, though, for those of you worried about the potty mouth thing, it looks like the I Am Groot animated series, the thing that's dropping on uh, August tenth. Based on the posters, it looks like we're getting baby Groot, so you know that, that probably limited vocabulary there. Anyway, previous show we talked about the Marvels, and remember in this case, Aaron, it was the Marvels, which was originally supposed to open in February of 2023, got pushed all the way back to late July of next year, swapping places with Ant Man and the Wasp, Quantum Mania. And we had sort of poked at that to the effect of that reshoots. What's going on there? And Samuel Jackson was on Jimmy Kimmel this past week and did, in fact, confirm that reshoots will be underway. And this is the weird thing that Marvel's went before cameras August of last year and then shoot continued in the UK all the way through May of this year. And so the fact that they're headed back to do the reshoots is interesting, but saying again, on Kimball said, I'm on my way back to London, I guess at some point in August, I got to go back and do stuff for the Marvels. And then I got to do stuff for secret invasion. The Marvels is considered part of phase four of the MCU, which again, according to Marvel Studios own timeline, officially started in July of last year with Black Widow and Disney plus. And much has been made of Florence Pugh's uh, entry into the MCU in the Kate Sherlin movie is Elena Volonov, which again was followed by Elena showing up in the Hawkeye limited series, which debuted in November of last year. And Elena was supposedly after Clint because he or she thought that she had taken out her sister of sorts, uh, Natasha Romanoff, and was seeking a revenge, but Yelena in the end opted to to spare that former Avenger, and that there was sort of a hint of Haley Steinfeld's Kate Bishop character, that these two would be getting together again at some point in the future, sort of a, a new Avengers thing. Whether it be a young Avengers, or is, is that the way that everyone's leaning towards now? Everyone thinks it's going to be the young Avengers versus something? There have been a couple of pieces written just in the past couple of weeks about where is the MCU headed right now? Because frankly, there's a lot of loose threads. Uh, in Eternals, we had uh, Arashem seem to put the entire planet Earth on trial. Well, first off, we don't expect him to show up four weeks later and go, okay, time to judge you. I mean, he's going to, he's eternal. He can come back in a thousand years and think it was like the next day. So I wouldn't expect him to be coming back anytime soon. All right. Who's next on the list? Go. Well, I mean, it's interesting you say this because it's like, think about it. We have uh, not Arashim, uh, but we have another eternal uh, turn up in Cosmic Rewind at Epcot. And so it's one of these things where, you know, I just wonder, you know, when the Imagineers were putting together that attraction and meeting with the folks at the MCU, it's like, oh, these guys are going to be a really big deal. And, you know, four and five, you really want to make use of them. 
you know, they're definitely coming back. Well, I, I do believe that Galactus is on the horizon out there somewhere. And by the time you get to that, you know, that that kind of just builds up to the legend, you know, when he when he finally does arrive. But wasn't that that sentinel or, or that eternal thing there coming for uh, one of the Infinity Stones in that ride? I want to say yes. I get, you know, aren't I'm, those I'm, now ju- considered junk jewelry in the desk of someone <laughs> in the, uh, I mean, everybody's got a copy of those in their desk there at the time travel authority. Interesting. You bring that up because again, <laughs> speaking of loose threads at the end of the Loki limited series, uh, Thor's brother seemed very concerned about those giant statues of Kang, the conqueror that suddenly appe- appeared in the TV eight. N- never mind yeah, that it could be a threat. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We had Dr. Strange heading off with, Charlize Theron's Clea? Is that that how we pronounce that name? Yeah, yeah. His future wife. I don't know if anyone knows that or not, but yeah. Okay. Uh, They're headed off together to fix some sort of incursion that that occurred because of, you know, what happened with him mucking up the, the multiverse. And then just to add to the pile, we had Bruce Banner being concerned at the end of Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings that the Ten Rings themselves seem to be acting as some sort of a beacon, you know, sending some sort of signal off into deep space to someone, something. Well, wait a minute. What, how about this uh, malarkey that we've been hearing lately about a Thunderbolts movie coming together? Uh, Even after the actor who plays them has passed away. That was, I think, more shocking. It was yeah. like, they don't quite know how to handle uh, the passing of Chadwick Boseman for a Black Panther movie, yet they're mm-hmm. going to go whoop together a Thunderbolts movie when the lead actor that the whole team is named after just passed away. That seems like a false rumor. I honestly don't know what to tell you here, other than Kevin Feige, in a recent interview with Total Film, assured Marvel fans that there is, in fact, a plan that in the coming months all will become clear about where phase four is headed. Here's the quote. As we're nearing the end of phase four, I think people will start to see where this next saga is going. I think there have been enough clues already. They're at least apparent to me about where the whole saga is going, but we'll be a little more direct about that in the coming months to set a plan so the audience who want to see the bigger picture can see a tiny, tiny, tiny bit more of the roadmap. So any thoughts here, Aaron? You know, I mean, Oh, sure. It's uh, first off, people need to get their knickers out of the twist that they're in. Mm-hmm. Because if we were to examine phase one of the mm-hmm. MCU, there was no overarching big bad. Those were independent solo films that had mm-hmm. nothing really outside of the fact that they existed in the same universe mm-hmm. and some minor threads that connected them. But it wasn't until Avengers that we got our very first glimpse of Thanos. Mm-hmm. And, and that was the peak of phase one, right? Loki was the big bad at that point. He just showed up in, what, Thor 1 and 2, and then I think a glimpse of him as cameos in a couple of the other solo movies. Mm-hmm. But the only reason he stuck around and the only reason he was in Avengers was because he was just loved by the fans, and Marvel wasn't willing to kill him off right away, so they, they kept him around. But yeah, we got our first glimpse of Thanos in, at the very, very end of Phase 1. And then things started to build where we started to understand about infinity stones. And then we get to phase two and phase three. And now that we're in phase four, we got to have a reset, you know, like a palate cleanser of we, you just can't kill off Thanos and go tomorrow. Okay. Here's the next big bad. That's going to take over the galaxy. Go. You just can't be that intense and unrelenting. Mm-hmm. So you got to give the audience, you know, like, like any good story, if you're talking about a, a solo film, you got to ratchet up the tension and then you got to release and let the audience breathe. Mm-hmm. And then you got to ratchet up the tension, make them hold their breath and then release so they can breathe. And that's the same thing with this as looking over it, over all of these movies, thinking about it as one, still one big cohesive story. The whole universe is we just had a fight with Thanos and we won. We mm-hmm. need a season to cool off. Mm-hmm. That's phase four. And maybe at the peak, the, the finale, when we have an Avengers movie team up, we'll find out at the very, very end of that movie who the next big bad is. And then we'll have two or three more phases to go through before we actually have a fight with the, the entity or person or being. Hmm. Do you think any, uh, there's anything significant about moving Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantum Mania that much further down in the batting order? Remember that 
Loki season two just started shooting in the UK this month, mm. you know, and you got to assume that, you know, they, they've already let us know that, that Jonathan Majors, the gentleman who played, uh, he who remains right, yep. is turning up in quantum mania. And you got to assume that Loki two is going to dabble with that as well. I, sure. I, I'm thinking Kang at least factors into this. Right. Well, I, th I think, you know, with the experience that Marvel has just as an entity of doing crossovers with other comic mm -hmm. books back in the just the old publishing days of telling a, a story that crosses over. The movies are still malleable until they're out and until they're actually being flickered upon a screen in front of a live audience that paid money to see it. You mm -hmm. can make changes and you can do whatever you fancy until and, and then if all of a sudden you realize this one has more problems than that one does. And, and we've got so many things in production right now. We've got so many series that are that are in the works being filmed or being written or being in post-production that it can be rather, I don't want to say simple, mm -hmm. but you're more able now today, back in the old days when it, when it was just an Iron Man movie and then a Thor movie, they didn't have anything to juggle because they were doing it one ball at a time. Now they've got nine balls in the air. It's easy to swap one out for a different one. And us as the audience doesn't know because we're still watching the eight other balls in the air going, ooh, what a great show. Mm -hmm. Right. Because mm -hmm. it's it's still behind the scenes in the background where they go, Ant-Man could tell the story better or it could lead up to something else better if we change its position by doing this. And in order to do that, you know, we got to take that movie out of its place and swap positions with it. And it doesn't mean the other one was in trouble or, it, you know, it could just be a storytelling reason or a timing reason or someone had a brilliant idea that nobody else thought of and they went, oh, we got to extend our, our budget because this is too cool to pass up and mm -hmm. we got to move our schedule and, and align for that. So if you think about, you know, the artists chipping away, they don't stop until they find perfection and then they reveal it. So I think Marvel's doing the smart thing about going, Oh, we've, we've got an idea, but it requires to swap schedules. So be it fine. Do whatever it takes to give us your very best. We got it. We're not going to judge until it comes out up on the screen anyway. So who cares what we think in the meantime? Well, I, that said, though, I have to admit, I am so enjoying Aman Valani's work in Ms. Marvel. I really want to see what this young woman does when she's up against Brie Larson. Mm -hmm. Speaking of which, though, again, we, we've talked a little bit about the most recent episodes of uh, Ms. Marvel. And when we get back from this break, we'll, we'll do a deeper dive on uh, the two most recent, uh, which were, what is it? Uh, Destined and... Oh, Crushed and Destined. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. A couple of interesting uh, developments that people are noodling on this morning around the web. Banners have gone up all over San Diego this past week or so, hyping this year's San Diego Comic-Con, which is going to be held July 21st through the 24th at the San Diego Convention Center and and in various hotels and, and venues immediately around the Convention Center. And what's kind of intriguing about these banners that are hanging off of light posts all over the city is therefore She-Hulk attorney at law, the Marvel studio limited series, which is scheduled to debut on August 17th. And we don't have a, a Comic-Con schedule yet. They tend to only announce that a week to 10 days out, which is genuinely frustrating for a lot of us who stand outside and am I buying a plane ticket? Am I getting a hotel? Is there something I'm really going to want to see at San Diego? But the banner suggests that there will at least be a, a She-Hulk panel, not necessarily the Hall H extravaganza that Marvel Studios used to mount in the past. That sort of thing, in theory, would be saved for the D23 Expo, the Disney-produced fan event, which this year is being held September 9th through the 11th at the Anaheim Convention Center. 
But one never knows these days, you know? And we were joking on the last show, Aaron, about... Was it Jared Leto who was showing off the script for the, the, the Morbius sequel? The, yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it's Morbing Time or Morbius Electric Boogaloo, I, I forget <laughs> what it was called. By the way, I also have to admit that on my most recent trip to Target, I did, in fact, buy the Blu-ray of Morbius. I'm still not... You're to blame. Right. If there's a sequel to come out, I will hold you personally responsible. But somebody had to do it. I felt bad. It was sitting there on, on the shelf alone. It was was Sarah McLaughlin music playing? Was there a voiceover <laughs> announcer? For just 12 cups of coffee, you could take home this homeless Blu-ray and give it a warm, safe space where it can be Morbin all the time. <laughs> I have two cats that we adopted from a shelter, and every time that those ads run. It's mm-hmm. like, I've done my part. Don't make me feel guilty. Come on. But yeah, you, you're not wrong. I think there was some Terry McLaughlin music playing. Anyway, I, I bring up the alleged Morbius sequel because just this week, Tom Hardy on Instagram shared a shot of the script cover for Venom 3, which, by the way, had a sticker on it. That said Last Dance, which suggests at the very least that Columbia Pictures is thinking this is a trilogy and this this next one will be the last of the bunch. Oh, God. That, that, don't be naive, Jim. Come on now. You know that's not true. I, I The, the they, reason they, that they're going to think in trilogies is because Hollywood is hmm. not creative hmm. and they can't think in, of a different number. You see, movies just come in threes. If we were to give you two, you'd feel cheated. That's not enough. If we were to give you four, well, that's too many. It's a little bloated for my taste. But three, ah, three is the sweet spot. Three is the magic number. Uh, Three act to your story. Three is perfect. And we'll stop there. And then we'll give you three more. It's a total of six, but don't tell anyone. We're Mm. just going to tell you it's three. And then we'll give you another three. It's okay. Just keep eating the chocolate. It's okay. You don't need any insulin. Just keep eating the chocolate. Well, also worth noting here is, according to the info on the title page shared on Instagram, Kelly Marcel. This is the woman who wrote Saving Mr. Banks for Disney. Lovely film. There's a better reputation than it has, but she's coming back to, to pen her third Venom script. And it just sort of, I have trouble... You know, the, the woman who wrote this, you know, Tom Hanks is Walt Disney and Emma Thompson is P.L. Travers. And, you know, it's also, you know, I want to eat the chickens. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, that's the fun of being a writer. You get different projects every time. But the, the big question really, Jim, is you know how hard Sony struggled mm-hmm. with the idea of cramming Venom into a Spider-Man movie that we got that stupid button on the end of No Way Home. Mm-hmm. And they're going to do a, a third solo Venom movie. And then they're going to call it quits. They're not gonna, they worked so hard to get them to meet up. And they got so close. And now they're just going to go, ah, forget it. We don't want to do that. That's hogwash. That's a bunch of silly talk there. We're going to go ahead with something more important like the Madam Web movie, which everybody is aware of and, and really was just dying to see because everybody knows who Madam Web is, right? And then the crickets come in loud, louder, louder, louder. Damn them some loud crickets. Okay, sorry about that. No, it's it's okay. I mean, I just, I, I guess for me, as somebody who doesn't know the Marvel characters nearly as well as, as you do, uh, for example, did you see the, the info this week about the Craven movie and how that character has Oh been? my God, yes. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to, it, it, passionately. I, mm. I wanted to just punch somebody. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so they want to make Craven like a, a member of PETA. Like he's mm-hmm. the new Steve Irwin, right? Yeah. But he wears the head of a lion as a cloak. <laughs> uh, yeah, it makes sense. Craven the Hunter, by the way. His name is Craven the Hunter. Mm-hmm. Who loves animals? His name is the Hunter. Oh my God, Sony! Can you be more wrong in all of your decision making? You're proving that no, you cannot. Even me, as a casual fan, I knew that. I mean, and and the whole notion of that seems a trifle wrongheaded. But on the other hand, if we look at things like the announcement this week about the Wonder Man project, 
Are you familiar with this character at all? Or? Yeah, and I'm wondering, who cares? Like, again, mm. uh, hold on. I, do I have to get the really loud crickets out again? No, I'm going to spare mm. you. I'm sorry. Okay. The thing is, I, I believe that there is a legion of people who would just be thrilled if we had a single freaking X person show up in the in the universe. And I'm hoping that the culmination of phase four is some magical blue explosion in the sky like all the end of them stupid other movies where we start to get our mutants because I'm, I'm waiting for mutants. And now instead of getting to mutants, we get another Agatha Harkness. We get Wonder Man. Who asked for it? Why is he here? Does anyone care? Uh, first of all, Supposedly in development for Disney Plus, being pitched is a flat-out comedy. In fact, Andrew Guest, who was a, a writer on Brooklyn Nine-Nine, and Community is supposedly working on the script. And and just the fact that we've got the director of Shang-Chi and Legend of the Ten Rings, Destin Daniel Crichton, in the mix here. I don't know if he's directing, producing, or, or some combination of the two, but that's enough to get people's attention that you know those two gentlemen are involved in this project but again it pitches a comedy in fact specifically a hollywood satire i don't doubt the creative team i think that they could probably do some fantastic work and mm -hmm. uh, again just because they have a blank slate right now they could do mm -hmm. anything and it could be the most wonderful thing in the world it just feels like a speed bump to what we're all hoping to get to. And I don't know, like, how long is the long game on this? Does Kevin Feige really want the Marvel Universe to go to infinity? Or is there going to be, a, like, you know, phase 10 is the end of it, and then we reboot it and recast everybody? Is that ever going to happen? Or are my grandkids, grandkids, grandkids going to be watching new incarnations of, uh, of the thing that's been going on for decades? I honestly do not know what to tell you. I mean, it just that that I I feel very much lately like I'm sitting at the coffee table with all right. I got blue, a couple of blue pieces of the puzzle. So all right, all I right. know that sky and this green over here. That's ground. So that that's grass. That's probably the ground. But I again, I don't know how this is coming together. And when we've got a Wonder Man that's supposed to start shooting. In 2023, which I guess then means it's out in 2024, but it's on Disney Plus. And so are we into phase five at that point? And if so, what, you know, what are we doing? Yeah, and there's there's certain characters that are on my specific menu of Marvel favorites where I'm like, am I going to live long enough to ever see this happen? <sighs> you know, they seem so far away and I just want to get to that point where I can, you know, I mean, I didn't believe I, I would ever get to see Spider-Man in the MCU and it's like, I got that plus, mm -hmm. you know, a thousand when they brought them all back, you mm -hmm. know, it's just like how, how much more satisfied could a guy like me be? I couldn't, I just, even though I was a naysayer the whole way leading up to it, I mm -hmm. was a happy little piggy boy when I got done with that <laughs> feast. It was wonderful. And, and I, I have to say, I'm feeling much the same way about Ms. Marvel, I think they're doing such a wonderful job of bringing us into the world, establishing the family, establishing the community, and at the same time putting it in the Marvel sphere with the you know the Bureau of Damage Control. Mm. But at the same time, I, I'm a little concerned. I don't know if you've you've seen the number. I mean, it, it's a best of times, worst of times situation in that uh, Ms. Marvel isn't necessarily doing the numbers that. Disney would have wanted, uh, you know, it's, uh, it has the lowest viewership during its first five days. It was available on that subscription streaming services, it only being played in 775,000 households in North America. On the other hand, in those 775,000 households, they got tremendous viewership among younger viewers, specifically among black, Hispanic, and Asian households. And it's the highest viewership among those particular groups that a, a Marvel project has ever had. So if you're trying to bring new fans through the door, Ms. Marvel is delivering. You know, there's a, a very weird, very small subgroup that, and I'm going to just give you a quick review from a colleague of mine, right? Mm -hmm. For Dr. Strange, mm -hmm. by the way, my, my colleague is what I would classify as an uber Christian. So anyway... He went to go see Doctor Strange because he was a comic book fan. And he told people that you should stay away from Doctor Strange because it has demons in it. And uh, he fears for the soul of, of those that view that 
that movie. I don't understand how viewing a fictional thing on a screen uh, yeah. in, endangers your, your soul, right? Mm-hmm. However, I also know that that same individual mm-hmm. will not watch Miss Marvel because he's afraid that they might inject Islamic faith into his household somehow. And he's got to shield them from that. And mm-hmm. and so when there's low viewership, a lot of Christianity is the white Anglo-Saxon variety of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, if they're afraid of things they don't understand because there's a stigma attached to it, mm-hmm. then they will decide to exclude themselves from that conversation and remain in the dark. And I have found so many moments of enlightenment mm-hmm. while watching this show that I feel the exact opposite viewpoint where no, I say you should no. watch it, you should see yeah. it and embrace it because you would be amazed at how close you guys are in the things that you you believe in. Absolutely. In fact, I, I have to tell you one of the things I so enjoyed about this this episode was the party at the house prior to the wedding where yeah, you know, yeah. the, the, the groom came out and said, you know, you're only allowed to hide one pair of my shoes. You can't hide all of them. That made me so happy because that just happened last year at my niece Priyanka's wedding that they did it to her husband, Caleb. They hid all of his shoes. So it's just, it was so, so nice to see something that, that, you know, I know from real life represented in the show, but I love the non- preaching of it mm-hmm. i love the, the the head of the mosque when kamala is outside of the same party and concerned about the perception of nightlife and you know how can she prove that she's good and it's like you know and the, the, the notion of it, good isn't something you are it's something you do that is the uh, uncle ben a line of with great power comes great responsibility, but for Kamala, that's the yep. line that, that she carries on as mm-hmm. her mantra mm-hmm. through her hero's journey. Mm-hmm. So that, yeah, that's an important moment. Very important that moment for that. I mean, but I, I, I loved how it set up, how casually it was tossed off. Mm-hmm. And likewise, I mean, I love how heavily this story leans into family and community. In fact, the button for the most recent episode where where grandma, who barely understands how to use the cell phone, is, you have to come to Karachi. We're going to travel with this story. We're getting outside of Jersey. But no, I'm I'm loving the hell out of this show. I, I think that, honestly don't think that Marvel Studios, there's been a dud yet in the limited series, but it is getting hard. To pick favorites because I so enjoyed Hawkeye. I so enjoyed Loki. And, and you know, you were talking about how, you know, for example, with the original, with the, the first one out the door, with Falcon and the Winter Soldier, you know, the, the crazy stunt work. And, and that coupled with, I, I didn't know I needed to see Baron Zemo dance, but I, I needed to see. <laughs> right, yeah. You know, I mean, they're just doing such a great job. Now that we've seen in real life how something that's set up in WandaVision then pays off in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, your little piggy's analogy, <laughs> you know, is not wrong. You know, I'm, I am really enjoying my time at the Marvel trough. So I gotta, we gotta bring up a, a thing about uh, one of the opening shots here of the this mm-hmm. episode. Mm-hmm. They start off in a cave of sorts and they're digging for the the bangle mm-hmm. first off it's on a blue hand is that an inhuman uh, i mean i'm i i have to admit i'm more intrigued by the the gin and I'm, is, I'm is that robin williams dick. blue is I that was, what they would know, call i'm that? sorry you you went there okay yeah. yes i've been i've been taught by disney my genies are blue sure and it's like oh no <laughs> you know so like, during that scene like after they discover the the bangle they do an overhead shot looking directly mm-hmm. down and they're on a circular uh, well it's it's the floor has a circular pattern and it's the pattern of the 10 rings mm-hmm. and it's old and it's been there forever and ever and it's really hard to make out cuz it's covered in dust and and whatnot but it's definitely the circles of the 10 rings and i just want to know like 
Is the Circle of the Ten Rings the Swarovski's crystal of magical jewelry within the MCU? Because it seems like if it's a glowy thing that you put on your wrist, it came from the Circle of the Ten Rings. What's up with that? What's the link there that they're trying to make? If we're going MacGuffin country, I mean, we remember at top of the show we were talking about the whole... I don't want to say it was a mid credit scene. I want to say I want to say it was the tail end of the movie for uh, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. But we got Captain Marvel and we got Bruce Banner, you know, looking at the Ten Rings and doing the whole, hey, it's sending a signal. And I can't help but look, okay, Captain Marvel is there. And we are going to get Iman Vellani in a Ms. Marvel movie a little more than a year from now in July of 2023. And it just sort of like, I wonder if that's going to get answered, that there's a connection there somehow. Again, I got my blue, I got my blue piece and my green piece, and right. I don't know where they go. Well, one thing I was very happy to see that was they were at least acknowledging other elements of the MCU existing, like the fact that uh, she was a huge Kingo fan in mm-hmm. all of Kingo's movies and how Grandma loved Kingo Sr. Yeah. I do love those little moments. But speaking of things lining up and connecting, I wish they were doing this stateside. But for some odd reason, it's only happening with the UK version of, of Disney Plus. But you can watch Spider-Man: Homecoming on Disney Plus in the UK, and so as a direct result, they've updated their chronology over there. So that July seventeenth Columbia Pictures release is now in the official MCU chronology. It's supposedly film number seventeen, and it falls. After the original Black Panther, which again, remember, was released in theaters in February of 2018, but before the events that happened, the original Doctor Strange, which was released in theaters in, in October of 2016. To further muddy the water here, just today with Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness being released on Disney+, Plus, they updated the stateside chronology. And now we have Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness falls between the events of the Eternals and what we saw in Hawkeye. And then after Hawkeye, we go, what happened with Moon Knight and what happened with Ms. Marvel? Well, that can explain why they didn't happen to mention it. Did you see that giant head and hand coming out of the Pacific Ocean? I, so if you put it before those events, you're absolved of having to mention those events in your film. I think everyone's been using that tactic lately. It was before the Eternals. It was before the, way before the Eternals. Speaking of stuff like that, and you were talking earlier about, you know, the Sam Remy car Easter egg. I've always been intrigued by that moment in the first Doctor Strange where he's in the car. It's literally just before the accident. And he's on the phone with Billy and they're looking at possible surgical candidates coming up. And so Dr. Strange says, hey, Billy, what do you got for me? And Billy responds with, I've got a 35-year-old Air Force colonel crush his his lower spine in some sort of experimental armor, mid-thoracic vertebrae fracture. Goes by the name Um, of Rhodes. Why is it that we don't make a a bigger deal about that? I mean, mind you, of course, it's not really an option for him to operate on, given that 10 seconds later, he's in the Hudson. Yeah, you're going to stop like uh, mid-frame, like while he's driving down the street. And the guy's explaining, yeah, he's got uh, fractured legs. He was an experimental armor. His name was Rhodey. And then like everything stops. And then Dr. Strange turns to the camera and winks and goes, get it? Get it, guys? Everyone? Did you get it? Roadie. And then they rip, and then it goes back into full speed, and and then the movie carries. Every time there's an Easter egg, everybody has to stop everything, point, and go, look at Easter egg, Easter egg. Okay, back to the movie. <laughs> some, a, some of us are just simpler. Okay, you know, just I, I enjoy, you know. That's why you a, have the hunt. That's what the hunt is for, to find all that, that stuff that's littered. Just littered. Like uh, trash along the street. It's everywhere. You just got to look for it. Uh, it. You know what this reminds me of? There's that great moment in, is it the first Avengers movie? Where at one point, I, I want to say Tony Stark makes a pop culture reference and, and Captain America, I got that one. You know, <laughs> you know it's you, like. <laughs> you know what? Well, I got an idea. We're going we're gonna to have a contest. I don't know what we're giving away. Uh, yep. It'll be Sam Raimi's car. We'll give okay. away Sam Raimi's car without his permission. But okay. uh, we're going to do a, an Easter egg hunt 
where we're going to just give a list of the time Loki became Captain America for a split second. And then our listeners will have to tweet at us the film that it came from and the timestamp that it occurred. And if they get the entire complete list right, we'll uh, give you Sam Raimi's car, whatever, whatever we decide to give away. That's how we'll do it. Our Easter, our marvelous Easter egg hunt. You know, when, when, sh- when should we do that, Jim? Do you think there's a time of year that we could do an Easter egg hunt? That would be convenient where people go, oh, I remember doing that Easter-related thing because it happened on New Year's. There we go. We'll figure out a good date for an Easter egg hunt sometime in the spring, maybe. I don't know. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. We'll we'll talk about that further. (laughs) But anyway, folks, until we settle on our all-too-obvious Easter egg hunt competition, for now, I think that's going to do it for this week's Marvelous Disney. Aaron, as always, so much fun to follow you on social media. Uh, can you tell the nice folks where, where they can find you? Uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter, as always, at Azaprod. Be quick. I'm, I'm actually worried about my job situation right now. My, my boss said he was going to fire employees with bad posture, and I have a hunch it's going to be me. Oh, that's so bad. That is so bad. They're booing. How do you throw tomatoes at someone through a podcast? That is so (laughs) weird. Even someone like that who who traffics in dad jokes. Yeah, that's a a, a pretty bad one. That's a pretty bad one. Okay. Our side is Vince. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram as Jim Hill Media and over on Facebook as Jim Hill Media News. I want to also point out we have some other podcasts here. Uh, If you're looking for something to listen to. We, of course, have The Mothership, Disney Dish with Lentesta. Uh, we have Fine Tuning, I do with Drew Taylor. And Brian Gone and I should be working on a new Looking at Lucasfilm. But I first have to watch the last episode of Obi-Wan, which you said you really enjoyed today, Aaron, right? I will only say that I greatly enjoyed the voice work done by Darth Vader. And I'll leave it at that. I don't want to say why or how or what. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's enjoyable. It's enjoyable. All right. I, I will go check that out. But first, I got to go pack for the airport. So we got to close here, folks. So if you could do Aaron and I a favor, if you could head over to Apple Podcasts and rate and recommend uh, Marvelous Disney, that would be very helpful. Get us extra ears and eyeballs. Uh, likewise, if you really, really like what you heard here, if you want to head over to Bandcamp and subscribe, that would be helpful, too. And I guess that's going to do it for this week's folks. So thanks again for listening and Aaron and I will be back soon.